We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Spider-Man. You get all the attention now. Ooh, I like that. Spider-Man. That might be called new nickname. Swider basket in a foul. Eddie Casey. Swider. Answer back. Swider from deep. Laces the three. Swider. And one. Count the bucket. Welcome back to the Swider Show, everyone. Back after a week off, Patty. I needed a week off. The travel's been crazy going back from Sioux Falls in Miami, the G League, the NBA, the grind. I actually got to see my good friend Patty Casey while we were in Brooklyn. Got, got to see my uh, parents in Brooklyn, so that was a good trip. But, but yeah, overall, um, back in the swing of things, back with the heat now, and uh, just keeping it going, Patty. Keeping it going with this, with this NBA season. Yeah, it's great to, uh, I, I don't know, talk to you guys. Is that how you would say that? Because we're talking to them, but it's not like conversing. So, yeah. but uh, great to be back on the mics, putting out content for you guys. But of yeah, the Brooklyn trip, uh, Swider, much appreciated. That was one of the cooler nights I've ever had in my life. Uh, we actually got to meet Duncan. I got to meet Duncan. I was lingering there at the end of the game, but the uh, newest friend of the show. I was able to actually meet him in person like a week later. I never thought I'd be in the. Uh, position where I'm, you know, breaking bread with, not breaking bread, but meeting NBA players after the game, so much appreciated, but uh, yeah, I don't know where you want to start with, with the Heat, you, you've you been up there, what, for like two weeks now, three weeks now? Yeah, we didn't talk about uh, the game that you and a lot uh, Williams combined for 92 points, so I don't know if we want to get to that later when we talk about the scoring boom in the NBA, but um, <laughs> yeah, how's, how's the vibe in Miami? Yeah, man, we're going through a little transition period right now. We we uh, we finally have most of our guys back besides Jaime, and we're just learning how to play with each other. I think everyone yeah. has had has had a has had a point in the season where they've had like a really good rhythm where they've been starting. I mean, we have everyone on the team has started besides myself and Drew Smith this season, and Drew Smith is obviously out for the season. So, right, um, everyone else has had a point in the season where where they've had a time where. They've gotten to a good rhythm. They've had a good stretch in the season, and they got to kind of have gotten comfortable. And then someone gets hurt, or the, the lineup changes, or and now we're just in a period where all right, everyone's healthy. We have a, we are one of the deepest teams in the NBA. How do we figure this out with, with everyone being healthy and everyone still getting the same amount of reps and looks, and, and everyone being happy, which is probably the hardest thing to do on a really good team. 
Right. Um, like you even saw, I think that was the Golden State Warriors' first and second year with KD. Like they struggled at points in the regular season because it was nice like, example, who, gets yeah. the, mm-hmm. who, who gets who gets the ball here, who gets the ball there, who takes the final shot. Uh, when is it KD's time? When is it Steph's time? When is it Clay's time? Um, so so yeah, I think we're going through a little bit of transition period. We got. We obviously have to find a way to to integrate everyone, and, and mm-hmm. I think Spo. There's no better leader than Spo to 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 kind of lead that ship and, and move us move us going forward. So obviously, a three game skid is it happens throughout an M- 82 NBA uh, 82 game season in the NBA, but it's obviously not ideal. Um, but but I think we'll uh, come out of this on the other side. Yeah, you guys will get it back. Um... Schedule's pretty tough moving forward, but I don't know. I feel like all year you guys have kind of like been able to win some pretty big games, squeak out some W's. But can you explain? You're kind of just going through it, like even with the Warriors, like you said. Um, it's such a cliche. I feel like when you listen to any like coach or someone who talks about a mistake that's made, and they're like, that may be something you know later in the season when the guys, these guys are more familiar with playing each other that might not be happening. Do you uh, do you get like a conscious rapport with teammates, or is it just kind of like an instinctive thing when you're on the court and you've played? I don't know. I feel like last year, like you and Scotty hit a point where it was like you guys have played a, lo- a bunch of minutes together, so you kind of know what each other likes. Like, are you are you thinking that on the court, or is it just instinctual because you kind of played with each other for so long? Yeah, I think there is two types of players, or there's obviously multiple types of players, but I think there's players that just fit right away and you've probably had that before even even when we're younger there's like a there's like a point guard or there's a there's a center that you just play with so well just mm-hmm. just naturally I, I think Orlando and I have, have kind of developed that kind of chemistry for sure um, in a short amount of time and we haven't really had that many reps together Where, whereas guys like it, it was crazy at the beginning of the season our starting lineup was Kyle Kevin Tyler Jimmy and Bam and they had not logged one single minute together before the uh, the start of the season, which is crazy to think because all five of those guys were big time contributors on their run to the finals. Right. So you, would, you would you would think that they would have had yeah. Together. That actually is crazy. Wait, so you're saying last year they didn't play one minute together as a full lineup? As a full lineup. Oh, I guess because Tyler was hurt for like the whole playoffs and then throughout the regular season, guys were out, right? Yeah, but it's it's just crazy to think about that. Think about thinking mm-hmm. back to it now, because Tyler got hurt in the Milwaukee series. Yeah, like game one of the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. it's just it's just a strange, strange stat. So there was that kind of in the beginning of the season. We were kind of getting getting used to playing with each other, or those guys getting used to get playing with each other, and then everyone's kind of gotten hurt at some point in the season. But to answer your question, I. I would say that there's I've had players where it takes time for me to get used to playing with them, and I've had players where it just fits naturally. So I, I think we're in that stage where you think those three players would, would fit pretty well, but we're struggling to score the ba- basketball. And mm-hmm. you see um, like you see the Celtics a couple years ago start like 25 and 25 and it's like, all right, can Tatum and Brown play with each other? Yeah. And then the rest of the season they figure it out and they end up making it to the finals. So that was I, nice. I, I think it's just a progression throughout throughout a whole entire season. Yeah. 
I, I think once these guys really start playing minutes together, and honestly, it to me, it's no one's being selfish out there. It's almost like they're kind of trying like to like two on toes. Yeah. And and I think D'Lo had had a great quote the other day when talking about playing with like LeBron and AD. Um, he was like, the best way for me to compliment LeBron and AD is to be aggressive um, and, and play and play my game. Right. Like not not trying to defer to those guys. So mm-hmm. I, I I think it's all it will all come around and it all be it would be good for us and I think we're, we're gonna grow from it and and like the plans are to still make a deep playoff run with this team and win a right. championship. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is also the time of the year where I think people call it like the dog days of the NBA season. It's like 100%. You're through the holidays, you're through Christmas Day. The All-Star break is like kind of on the horizon, and it's just like kind of just got to get there. I think that you're seeing that with a bunch of teams where it's like you're seeing some results where maybe a worse team is kind of hanging with a good team, and like, I don't know, just like the monotony of the year. But um, the other thing that I've talked to you about that's, I feel like related to this conversation too is uh, one thing about like the NBA is it's all like concepts. Like anyone who's yeah. listening who's who's played basketball before, you grow up. I don't know. Some kid's dad on your team has like a t-shirt tucked into jeans, and you cross half court, and you like throw up a two, and you're like run two, run two, and you just like run a play. It's like a one four yeah. I set, whatever. And like for the most part, even throughout college, a lot of times you you're running plays every time basically down the court or it's like a transition scenario but um i've talked to you about it before and bam is as good as anyone like you guys have a bunch of like dribble handoff stuff it's like all these concepts it's like quick hitters and stuff where it's not necessarily like you're you're running plays but i think that's where the continuity you see that more so in the nba than really at any other level so that probably goes into what you're saying of like the more you're running these concepts with people the more you see like all right, Duncan might come off a handoff one way, but Tyler might do it a different way, and then that's like, yeah. I don't know. You're just, you're just kind of like gaining familiarity with how people like their tendencies and how how it works there. And I think Duncan's been such a great. So we 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 call those types of actions triggers. Like how do we get into our triggers? So, so a trigger will be a dribble handoff with Duncan. A trigger will be a a, a ball screen with Bam and Kyle, like a one five pick and roll. A trigger will be just throwing into Jimmy in the post up, like. Different things to get us into our offense, where where multiple people get involved, or to, to create an advantage against the defense. Mm-hmm. So, I think just finding those triggers that work with that lineup, and finding those triggers where uh, Tyler's in a good position, getting downhill, or, or, or shooting threes, or shooting movement threes, and then Bam's right. in comfortable spots where he's rolling to the basket, and Jimmy's in post ups where he's getting comfortable. And I think I think we're in the midst of finding those things, and we're in the midst of uh, like Spo does an unbelievable job of, of making it known like what he believes the roles need to be for us to be successful and like I said I think we're in the middle middle of finding that and I think we're even though it might not look great right now I think it's gonna it's gonna be good yeah I think everyone on your team kind of knows the cadence of the season that I was just talking about and they understand like some growing pains right now that don't necessarily like translate to April, but um, so I don't know where you want to go from here. Let's. I want to weave in your uh, your performance that I mentioned earlier when you had thirty seven and twelve, and uh, Linus Williams, your teammate, ACC Player of the Year, the year that we were at Cuse. Yep. Um, 
one of the better. I feel like he's going to end up being just because they missed the tournament and like he he's definitely going to be one of the more like underrated ACC players in recent history because he was fucking nasty. But besides the point, he had fifty five, yeah. and you guys were you were down in that game throughout it, right? Yeah, we were down seventeen two to start the game. And then, like, you were down at halftime. You end up storming back. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Was that just, like, pure relation? Only just having, like, so much fun playing because both of you guys are just completely dominating the other team? Well, I, I thought it was – like, we did in spurts. You know what I mean? I, I think so I think I had, like, 14 points at halftime. And then I had, like, a huge third quarter. I think I had, like, mm-hmm. 36 left. I had 36 with, like, six minutes left. And then – Man Man just Man Man Alanis Williams, his nickname is Man Man, just went on like this unbelievable like fifteen point straight of of him just coming off a high pick and roll, getting a switch and going to the basket, either scoring or getting fouled every single every time. single time, yeah, every single time he was he was making threes, he was unbelievable, man, and he I think he still had like seven assists or eight assists. Yeah, I think it was fifty five, eight, and seven. Yeah, fifty five, eight, and seven is just ridiculous and. I got it going pretty early. Uh, I think I was like seven eleven from three, and I think I airballed a three too, which which isn't normal. Is that right? Ball. I don't remember that one. Yeah, what man. long? No, to to the left. I, I had a guy oh. in my face. It was a little yeah. heat check. A little yeah. Heat check, but how's that? Yeah, I, that has been game. shooting off of movement been like? Was that a big? Is that a bigger emphasis with Miami? Because it seems like you're doing that way more this year than you were last year. Oh, a hundred percent. And I think. For me to make the NBA, I'm gonna have to be a movement shooter. I had a conversation with our shooting coach Rob Foder before the season started, and he was like, "Cole, if 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 you were a lockdown defender, I would not touch a shot." And I was like, "Okay." He's like, "If you were a Shane Battier type, I would not touch a shot." I was right. like, "What do you mean by that?" He was like, "Well, you'd be a three and D guy. You'd probably get a lot of open shots just based off of off of uh, like." You're, you're guarding, like you're out there mainly for defense, and then you're out there to hit, hit threes as well. But mm-hmm. if you want to make it in the NBA, being the the player that you are right now, you're gonna have to put in a, a ton of movement in, in, into your into your shots. Right. So I would ca- categorize myself last year. Looking back at it, I, I you think that you're a movement shooter coming off a couple down screens and this and that, but um, I think. And I think a lot of people can tell is that I'm putting the ball on the floor more now, especially in the G League. I'm able to to, to attack closeouts a little bit better with a floater or a, yeah, or, or throwing lobs and whatnot. Yeah, throwing lobs here and there. I also think the movement shooting is a totally different beast when you actually have sets and and things that go along with right. movement shooting. So. Um, Rob has helped me a lot, just coming off the down screens, coming off the screens, being lower, releasing the ball earlier, so I can still have that advantage being six nine. With the Lakers last year, I could just really consider myself like a big shooter. Um, like I'll come off of screens every now and then, but I mostly shoot over people, which I still do now. But I think just adding that ability to just to come off of screens fast, being having push dribbles, getting getting to the corner and being able to shoot the ball while shoot going out of bounds and still be able to make the shot. Yeah. Like all those things are just huge aspects of my game that I'm going to have to keep on improving on to, to be able to make it in the NBA and be able to make the money that uh, that I think I'm capable of making. That we're all counting on, yep. Yeah, exactly. Everyone's <laughs> counting on that. 
No, but it seems like you're just like almost hunting those shots more. Like it's it's more in your repertoire than it was before. Like mentally, I mean, because I think you could to an extent always like shoot like that. Obviously, you're saying you're practicing it more, but also I don't know. Like like going into a game and and realizing those are shots you're trying to take makes it so different than. Sometimes you might just pass it up because you're not even thinking. You're just like, oh, this is a bad shot. I can't shoot this like throughout your whole life. Yeah, I, th- I think I think the intent is obviously a thing that, that you're alluding to. I also think that um, when obviously when you work on things, like you're gonna be more comfortable with them. But also when, when you see it firsthand every single day with with Duncan and, and with Tyler and with Max Struess last year. It just encourages you to be like, all right, like I can shoot the ball at this level. Right. And also, releasing the ball earlier has allowed me to be able to shoot those off-balance shots and still have the, the leg power to, to get the ball to the basket. I think before, mm-hmm. my, you, as you know, I'm a very high-handed release. Right. When, when you're very high-handed, it's hard to like, adjust the ball um, in the air to get the enough power come flying off of two screens to... Yeah. Uh, but when you release the ball early, you, you get your whole entire body's energy to, to go to go to the basket and energy. To, nice. Wait, so you're saying like release on the way up, more so? Yeah, I don't know if it's released on the way up for me, but it's it's definitely like an intent to release the ball earlier. And sometimes I don't yeah. even like finish my follow through all the way because I'm 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 trying to to, to get all my energy um, with the ball and with the shot. Nice, the art of shooting, as they say. Yeah, man. Uh, we're, we're not going to do a little uh, Cam Johnson and J.J. Redick breakdown, but we'll, uh, we'll do a little shooting. Yeah, break. I saw that. Uh, I don't want to call them out. I think they were a little dramatic about how like in-depth that was. Didn't you think? I think you actually sent that to me, like, trying to like gauge my opinion on it. And yeah. I do think that there is like a... A thought process and a science, so like so to say, a science that goes into mm-hmm. like, those types of shots and, and shooting, but also like what I thought made JJ Redick so special when he was at his best is that it didn't seem like those shots were, um, like thought out or like it was it was the freedom of movement and the freedom of basketball and yeah. and, and flying off those things and knowing that he's a great shooter and and. Maybe he did, he definitely did practice those shots every now and then. But I think a lot of those, like, and I think for me is is a having the confidence to shoot them, b having the technique, but also having the free flow and confidence and and yeah, exactly. The offense just to, just to shoot the basketball. Yeah, so. well, he used to especially on the Sixers, he would always shoot it like, like not fade. He would be like as he jumped, just like his momentum would take him sideways one way, which was always so impressive. Because he yeah. was still able to, like, I don't know, he almost looked like reverse hoop Jones, like where the hoop is moving. Like, he was always just moving side to side, and he'd still yeah. get it off. But no, I'm not here to critique other player pods because it's, we're a family and it's a brotherhood. But my point was uh, the dramatics of it. Like, they, leading up to the conversation, were like, all right, we could get, like, really into this. We could really nerd out about, like, shooting. And then I thought they just said kind of basic stuff. That was my problem with it. I have no issue with either of them as a shooter. Um, we do have the return of... I'm going to mesh both of them into one because the Copycat League segment that I thought of was also the mailback question of the week. Um, this is from Quinn. Quinn is my brother, and I we 
are running low on mailbag questions. So you're going to want to hit swattershow at gmail.com. So I was trying to think of something to, to give a topic for the show. But he asks, in the spirit of recent scoring outbursts, we're recording this on the night that Joel Embiid had 70 points and 18 rebounds and Cat had, what, 44 in the first half? Ended the game with 62? Yeah. But uh, kind of with that in mind, what do you think? Uh, I, I, I botched the question, but I'll just ask it. What do we think the scoring boom this year is due to? Like there's, what, five guys averaging over 30? I feel like that never happens. Um, the fact that this happened on the same night, like why do you think not scoring seems so easy now, but it seems like there's these big nights and it's like so routine that you look up every night. It's like, all right. Someone had 57, and Embiid's having 40 every single game. Like, what do you kind of attribute that to? Yeah, I think it's just the evolution of the NBA. I think with spacing, with shooting, with the advanced way the coaches think, with the new offenses, um, I think with the analytics of the sport, I saw a crazy stat. We think of the 2016-2017 Warriors as probably one of the best offenses of all time, right? I think it probably is, yeah. So they were the number one efficiency in, in the NBA that year. Right now, they'd be the 15th best offense in the NBA. Really? Yes. Well, that's the thing now. Like, every single year, whoever the best offense is, like, the Pacers are just smashing the all-time offense record. And, like, last year was the Kings. The year before that was the Mavs. It's like, whoever is the number one offense now, which is exactly what you're saying, is just the best offense in the history of the NBA, according to whatever statistics. It's just crazy. I, I think... I think as we continue to move forward in the NBA, like and the NBA also promotes scoring. Like they want to see high scoring games. They yeah. want the fans to be involved with high scoring and dunks and all these different things. And I, and I think the way the game's being called, the way the officials are, are are managing the game, I think also with the way um, the coaches are going in terms of more threes, more like the analytics, more guys practicing threes. Um, right, Steph Curry like obviously changed the game almost ten years ago at this rate. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's just going to keep on going more and more towards that direction of just higher scoring do you, basketball. Uh, and, do you like the the higher scoring? Like, what's your thoughts on that? I feel like it's a very polarizing thought subject now. I think for the regular season, it's it's one of those things where high scoring is great, but in the playoffs, yeah. The, the final score of a game is going to be 92 to 89. It's going to be 98 to 94. And I mm-hmm. think it's just like you have to be able to win both ways to be a good team. Do I like the high score? Of course I love the high score. I love being involved in games that are 138 to 130 and you end up winning those games. Yeah. And and I also think there is multiple ways to win. Like I think when people say like, oh, like there's only one way to win if, if you're a good uh, defensive team, that's the only way to win. No, like you have to be able to score. You have to be able to, to um, right. be a, a good defensive team. You, like one of my coaches last year, Jordan Knott, um, he was my he was my shooting coach. Like he was my uh, individual yeah, coach yeah. for the Lakers. He was like, I don't think you need to be elite on both sides of the ball to be an elite team. He's like, you have to, you obviously have to be above average on on one side of the ball, but you could be a top five offense and a top fifteen defense and still be a really good team. Yeah, you could be a top. You could be a top. Uh, five defense and a top 15 offense would be a really, really good team. He's like, but what you can't have is you can't be bottom 15 
in either of those categories and expect to be a good team. You think so? Yeah, Damn. I think that, so. That's tough uh, for my boy Dam in the Bucks. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So I think they're like 22nd in defense right now. They're giving up like 400 points a game. But well, obviously they're kind of a good example can, of that. You can win in the regular season. But what Spoke yeah. talked about the other day, what Spoke talked about the other day is like, if you have one bad week of basketball or you have one one team who figures you out in the playoffs, your season's over. So, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's if you have a bad matchup, it's over. Like yeah. think about it think about it last year. Like the Grizzlies were one of the be- like was this, like the third best team in the NBA all year. We have a good matchup against them as a seven seed and we we sneak in the, the playoffs yeah. and we beat it's them over in six. Yeah. That is crazy. But um, I just botched the reading of the mailback question of the week. But I was going to ask you from your favorite player, who I think everyone listening knows, do you have a favorite uh, like scoring outburst? It doesn't even have to be LeBron. We could just name some random scoring outbursts because tonight, like I said, 70 from Embiid, 62 from Cat. I think it's maybe the most exciting part as an NBA fan is when you get like texts or you see an Instagram post like oh my god Cat has 44 in the first half like you gotta run to league pass run to NBA TV and watch yeah. if he's gonna have like 80 points um, I would probably go game one of the 2018 finals Cavs versus Warriors when LeBron 51, had 51 8 and 8 yeah 51 8 and 8 um, that feels uh, basically won that game but yeah those are that's like a heavy fifty one. That, that feels different than the than the regular like tonight when Embiid has seventy. It's like how I'm saying, you run to your TV and you're like, oh, how many points can he score? It was like every single point LeBron was scoring that night was so important. So like it wasn't important. like a fuck around at the end. Like oh, just keep shooting and see how many you could score. It was literally like no. these are the most important points of our entire season. And also, uh, this wasn't like it ended up not. I think he ended up having like forty this game, but. The first quarter of Game Two in Boston of that 2018 run, I think he had like 23, 20, 21 to 23 points. Oh, in that I don't first even quarter. remember that. It was dude, you're, you're going all playoffs. Yeah, I because uh, that, that's when it matters the most. Yeah, right? and that, that, that's when the bugs are the toughest. But I, I'm gonna I'm gonna look it up real quick. Um, I don't think I think the most fun one. Steph at the Garden was real cool. 
Damn, I was going to say last year when he had 70 because I'm a damn guy, but that was... Um, unbelievable. Like Dame, Dame's had some fun had some fun ones. When in the playoffs against the Nuggets. Yeah, when he had fifty five. Yes, that was an that was unbelievable fifty five. Yeah. Like, I don't think I've the degree I, I of difficulty I've, on it. It oh, was I don't think shooting I, it from literally everywhere. I, I I rewatched those highlights and, and every single time you watch you get more impressed. Yeah, like you can't believe it. Was it was literally like shot six possessions in a row. Yeah. Six possessions in a row. He also hit uh he had two basically buzzer beaters to go into overtime. Like two separate times in one game. He had the one where he banked in like a thirty five footer. It was like Jesus Christ, this guy could kick it in right now. Um that was a great one. But I was gonna say I don't think there's one to what I'm saying, just like pure fun, like you're enjoying watching it. I think the uh Clay's thirty seven and a quarter was Maybe the peak of that. That was ultimate, was like, yeah. firing off. Like, on on Twitter, it was just like, wait, he actually did what? Um, so LeBron, LeBron had 42, 12, and 10 in that game. They ended up losing the game by 13. Um, but he did have 23 in the first quarter of that game. He was making everything he looked at. Mm-hmm. That was unbelievable. LeBron in that LeBron in that series from game two to game seven. 42, 12, and 10, 27, 12, and 5, 44, 3, and 5, 26, 10, and 5, 46, 11, and 9, 35, 15, and 9. What was the final score of game seven? Click on that. Can you? 80, 87 to 79. Yeah, and he had 35. He had 35, 15, and 9. Yeah, that's crazy. I don't think we're ever seeing that again. And when, um, when he when he when he swept Toronto, the sixty win Toronto team. Yeah, that was crazy because the Cavs were not 13, that good. 13, 11, 43, 14, and eight, 38, 7, and six, 29, 11, and eight. Like, what is going on? You're just like screwing around for the end of it. Like, that was kind of the worst. I wanted the Raptors this, to win real bad. This Indiana series is even crazier. 46, Dude, they should have lost that series. People forget 12. that. Yeah, the, the, the goaltending? Yeah. They also had... Oh, I mean, this isn't really a knock on LeBron because it ended up being one of the best moments of his career, but, like, they're about to lose game five, and then he just drilled a buzzer beater. He, he actually had a lot of buzzer beaters that playoffs. Oh, yeah, he had lot. a bunch. By a lot, I mean, I mean two. But, but still... That's I mean, a two lot in one playoff round is crazy. Especially with the numbers I was just talking about. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what to say. The guy's good at hoop. Yeah. Um, no, also that, good that, at hoop, that, though. Oh, go ahead. That's the most memorable playoff run for me of all time. Yeah, you're obsessed with it. Yeah. I think we've talked about it enough, right? All right, yeah. <laughs> no, but also good at hoop. The Syracuse Orange. Shout out Quadir Copeland. Just... Absolutely burying the hurricane. That was... I, I think we need Adam to check in at some point here and talk about the atmosphere in the Dome, but that was fucking awesome. We deserved that. I, I think I think our team, more than anything, just needed that. <laughs> yeah. The 21-22 Syracuse team needed, needed that game. But Adam, that exact game. 
Adam, can, can we get a can we get a vibe check from the from the dome of of uh, Syracuse, Miami? I've got a full report ready to go. Uh, I worked all night on it. First of all, um, is the largest crowd of the season. Still not where it needs to be yet. I think it was like twenty one thousand, but um, it, it was pretty exciting. Like it, there was a buzz at noon dome Saturday game, and it was snowing a little bit. Um, my whole family was up, so I was up in the three hundred section, which is not where I normally am. I'm usually, you know front five rows of student section. So it's a different view from up there, but it was a cool experience. Um, here's a couple things I wanted to mention about the game really quickly. Syracuse should have won that easier. There was about two or three bad calls. I think we can all agree on um, a, a charge call and one out of bounds um, diving oh, play that I thought were ridiculous. Um, so they should have won. I think people also don't realize like, yeah, the buzzer beater's sick. Miami banked in a three from like 37 feet, like one minute before, one play before. So if that doesn't go in, it's a free throw win. You know, you just hit the free throws and you're up five well, and win the game. I'm sorry to cut you off. To Swatter's point, I think every Q's fan over the last like three years is conditioned. Like I was, for one, just not shocked at all when that shot went in No. for Miami. Like you just expect those shots to go in at this point. Like, the most unlucky thing that could possibly happen in that scenario, where you're like, oh, there's no way this happens. It almost always happens the last couple of years and just, like, is so heartbreaking. So, um, Yeah, I agree. I think this turned the tides. But, sorry, I cut you off. What's yeah, sorry. I, just have, I have a couple more bullet points to get to here. Yeah, of course, of course. You'd say J.J. Starling really went on a run there at the end. You'd say Q hit the game-winning shot. People don't realize, or maybe they do, I didn't realize that Judah Mintz was two rebounds from a triple-double. And yeah, there's, been nine, there's been nine triple-doubles in Syracuse basketball history. Three of them were Dave Bing. One of them was Coach Griff. So if Judah Mintz Griff had a triple-double? He does in, in, like, the 90s or whenever he played. It, it was Hell a, yeah. That's the good Swider Show fact for you, but... Yeah, so Griff had one triple-double. Dave Bing, who's getting retired in the Dome this weekend, had three. And, like, that would have been the 10th in 50 years of Syracuse basketball if he gets that. Whoa. So, to me, that's an under-talked-about story. Is G-Mac on there? No, he's no, not, right? No. Um, he, he honestly, one rebound shy once. It, to me, it's a, it's a big game because that was also a storyline on top of J.J. just not missing and Q hitting that game winner. And I'll tell you, it was pretty loud in there um, without even, you know, we could have had 8,000 more people in there, which we will in February and March. And it was still really loud. So I was very excited. Where, where would you rank it in terms of, was it the loudest you've ever heard the dome? Um, I don't know. I was, I, like I said, I was in a different section than I normally am. I'd say double OT Indiana was pretty loud. But that's the only buzzer beater that I've seen because I wasn't at the, the Duke uh, John Gillen game winner, um, in seventeen. Right. That was so. That was unbelievable. That I mean, I, I think that's the loudest moment in dome history. Maybe the pearl shot, but like, I from what I've seen, it was pretty damn loud in there, and my whole family was there, and they were excited too. So it was a good one to show some people. We had a lot of recruits there, football and basketball. So all in all, a good game. Um, this past weekend. Yep, they the the new recruits, yeah. were, the new players were on the court, the the transfers, and then you had some class of twenty four guys that haven't committed yet, and some football guys as well. So it, it was definitely great. 
I also wanted to mention that at the Niagara game, I dapped up Coach Fran Brown, and he's very a man of the people. He's 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 making the rounds and is very accessible at the dome. The franchise, the franchise is here. Oh, is that what we're calling him? Yeah, that's, that's the thing. You Did you make that up? Twitter. No, you have not been on no, Twitter, Twitter Patty. Yeah, but I don't know. I, I'm just. I guess I'm. I guess I'm a big Syracuse football guy, and uh, I guess they are. That's fine. Adam knows this. There's been chatter about a possible Syracuse college football playoff next year. Oh, we're going. It's an ACC championship away from happening, so I'm not worried. My tickets are bought. We'll be there. I'm not against it. You're saying this like I'm an enemy right now. No, nope. I'm not against it. We're just <laughs> you can join the train. I would be all in on. Yeah, exactly. I'll, I'll hop on the bandwagon around late September next year. Should we pipe in a drum roll here? Oh, there'll be sound There's effects. Been a, there's been a big time podcast announcement that A. Lou has been teasing us with all day, and I mean, uh, me and Cole don't even know what it is. So I'm, I got a full seat right here. All I need is the edge because that's what I'm sitting on. Go ahead, Adam. This has just been at my, like gnawing at me all day. I'm very excited to announce this. Um, in my work recently uh, for athletics, getting ready for a couple ceremonies coming up this season, I received a copy of a 2012 DVD produced by Syracuse Athletics and like another production company. It's like very high quality. And mm-hmm. the title of the DVD is Top 20 Syracuse Basketball Moments of All Time. Okay. And if you remember, about a year ago, to the date, we <laughs> Oh, I a, think I know where this is going. We had a little bit of a draft, um, and I almost got laughed out of the Zoom call um, for saying the hiring of Jim Beheim. Guess where that was on the, on the top 20 in this professional one. It was number two after the national championship. So I don't want to hear it, all right? I've waited a year to come back to this topic, but I think it's a fantastic <laughs> draft pick. And I'm taking my victory lap right now, and I'm even going to cut in the clip of Buddy Beheim laughing at me for picking that. So I'm just going to go simple to start. The hiring of Jim Beheim. Okay, <laughs> I like it. That's probably the number one. Wow. All right, Adam. I respect the hell out of that. My number three pick, I'll go with I'll go with the building of the carrier dome. Get out of here. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Yeah. I feel like we're totally like off the rails now. No yeah, Adam opened up my mind to a whole different type of Swider. Your 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 snake opportunity here. With the fourth pick, I'm gonna go with the implementation of the two three zone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Take that joke out of now. I'm joking. Did I do the birth of Jim Beheim? I thought I think, it was a uh, very clever pick. I thought it was a clever pick. I thought it was a clever pick, but you know what my rebuttal is going to be here? No, Swatter, you go ahead. And I think I actually gave you credit um, yeah. in the episode for, for, for that pick. I think it was an outside-the-box move. And it was, <laughs> yeah, that's and it exactly was a, what it was. And it was it a was move fun. that... And it was a move that... I uh, think you should get more credit for it than you do. Is but Patty, Patty is what Patty is. He's gonna hate on it. <laughs> I was not hating on it. My only argument, my rebuttal here would be, um, can we get a source of who made that list? Because to me, you know, someone who's a diehard Syracuse fan who's making that DVD, I'm sure they did a great job. I'm sure they have followed Syracuse for a while. They do great work, as you're saying. Jim Beheim's son being on the podcast and also laughing at it is kind of a hard thing for you to overcome. That's because what I mean. I don't think it was a bad yeah. pick, like we said, but it was it was funny. It was outside the box. It was not what we were thinking of. We're thinking on the court, you know, pearl buzzer beater. We're thinking 
whatever. Yeah. I think I picked GMAC 43 versus BYU. We're thinking the Gillen shot. Yeah. We're thinking the comeback versus Virginia, and then you just go. Like, that's like if we're naming the best moments in America, and you're like the day George, uh, Abraham Lincoln was born, the day George Washington was born. The Bill of Rights like, were, were, were formed. Right. Like, you're going to, like, these, like, foundational pieces that no one else is thinking of. So I think I gave you your credit, but all in all, very funny still. I appreciate the credit now, but it's it's well we're well past that. Um, it's going to keep eating at me for the rest <laughs> of our relationship. But thanks for saying that on publicly. Um, I just wanted everyone to know that the entire athletics department is behind me in that pick. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Respect. That's uh, a grudge held that I really respect. And at some point, I think actually related to this, Jimmy Beheim recently sent us a TikTok that had the rankings of 2K players and like four of his players were on it. <laughs> we got to get them both but, back for some drafts. Yeah, all right, the announcement, the announcement didn't disappoint. I was, was, I was excited. That was better than I expected. I'm going to send so, you guys the clip Anything later. else as, as we close out here oh who do we got uh let's put this on the recorded work too who do we got this weekend afc nfc super bowl ravens will record before the super bowl but ravens 49ers are gonna make it to that uh i'm taking ravens lions because i'm gonna be mad if either the other two make it i got chiefs niners and I think uh, the two giant Tom Brady fans on here, I think you got to start getting a little worried. Because Mahomes, as I've said again on this podcast, I think he's already the greatest quarterback ever. And it's just it's just a matter of getting the accolades now, and he's getting there. What, um, did Brady win three in his first four years? Or Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I just had a little okay. connection issue. Did you say greatest Mahomes? I don't, I don't think. Yes. See, the I think he's... Maybe maybe greatest isn't I don't know I always get mixed up with these terms. I think so, he's the best yeah. person who's ever played quarterback right now. And it's just well, a matter maybe, of maybe the most, the accolades. Maybe the most talented ever played the position. But But he's also winning at a clip no one else really has in their first six years. No. Brady uh, won more. Brady won three in four years. Yeah, I mean he's about to if he wins this year it's three and five and he's gonna have fifteen playoffs. He this is his seventh year. This is his seventh season. I don't know where you came in. Six this. years of starter. So how would that be three and five? Or three and six. Yeah. So I am not hearing three well, and four. Well Brady won three in his first thirteen, if we're gonna do that, because he didn't win one for ten years after his fourth year. I bet you Mahomes retires before his fourteenth season at this rate. <laughs> Well, <laughs> let's talk. Let's talk then. You before know, his four, you don't think he's getting eight more years in? How old is he? He's, he's what is he? Twenty eight. He's twenty eight. Yeah. Hey, he's retiring when he's thirty five. If he's winning, if he's winning at the club, you think he's going to win at? He's not playing until he's forty five. I'll tell you that much. I mean, he's literally doing. It's not that I think he's doing it currently. Like I know he won three of his first four, but then he didn't win for another ten years. 
I think that's a good wrap up. Yep. So we got our predictions. Adam got, our predictions uh, in. got his glory, got his credit for an outstanding pick last year. But uh we'll see who's right next week when we return. Yep. But anything else from the fellas before we sign off? I think we're good, man. Thank thank you guys for listening, tuning in. Hopefully you guys enjoy some of the banter going back and forth. Uh, episode fifty nine, another one another good one in the books, and uh we'll, we'll be back next week with another episode. Go orange. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's up, everybody? Thank you guys for tuning in. We really hope you enjoyed this week's show. To find out who will be joining us next week, make sure you're following us on all social media platforms. At Swider Show on Instagram, at Swider Show on Twitter, and at Swider Show on TikTok. We also recently developed our very own YouTube page, www.youtube.com slash at Swider Show, and subscribe. You can send in a mailbag question to be featured on the show, swidershow at gmail.com. And of course, if you haven't already, make sure to turn on those notifications so you never miss an episode week to week. Cole Swider Show with Patty Casey is presented by Blue Wire Podcast and our executive producer is Adam Lewis. Swider Show was created by Cole Swider, Patty Casey, and producer Adam Lewis. All rights reserved. Thank you guys. We'll see you next week.